0: When Ryan's when it's time to begin It's on the Rewind A Raw with John Pollock and waiting The 18 team that makes sense of these things We see in the ring every week on TV It's Rewind A Raw for Monday night Downloaded Tuesday morning from the post-wrestling site It's Rewind A Raw for
1: Monday night On USA Now on the John and Wade Take the mic
0: Hello everybody, welcome to Rewind A Raw I'm John Pollock alongside... Cowboy, Wei Ting.
1: Yeehaw. How's it going? It's going wonderful. The star of TakeOver, Wei Ting. Oh, yeah. You saw me, right? On the top of that ladder? Yes. You know, I saw...
0: I I couldn't take my eyes off. Uh, A fantastic fan sign. We saw a nice uh, post-wrestling t-shirt in there. Yes, Post-wrestling well-represented in Bridgeport, Connecticut.
1: Oh, yeah. Thank you, guys.
0: Well... How was uh, the rest of your weekend?
1: Well, uh I couldn't make it out with you and Davy and Mike to uh, see mouth's band on uh Friday. You missed a great time. Yeah. Uh however, I did show up on Saturday, one day later. Oh, did you? Yeah. Um I did not see mouth play unfortunately, but uh this this thing is like the Great Lake Surf music battle or something, and it happens like basically over the over the course of like two days.
0: Yeah. It's like local bands on the first night, and then it's bands from across Canada on the Saturday night, and they crown a winner at the end of all of this.
1: Yeah, so uh, my friend uh, Elliot wanted to, to go, and uh, so I was like, yeah, cool, let's go. And I just, I talked to out, mouth, but I didn't get to see him play, unfortunately.
0: Yeah, it was a, it was a lot of fun. It's, it was just like all surf music, and I had a great time. Uh, Davey showed up, Mike Murray showed up. Uh, Dan's band was great. Uh, If you are in Toronto and get to see the Cliff Divers, I I thought they were uh, one of the the two best groups that was there of the number – I think I saw like five of them all together. And there was this other group called the Wasagas, and they were excellent. Uh, They played like 45 minutes or so, and at the end, they were promoting, you can pick up our CD here for 10 bucks, And I'm thinking to myself, I would love to buy one of their CDs, and I'm realizing I don't own a CD player. (laughs) The CD cannot do me any good here. So, I think the technology has to like if they were saying, "Hey, buy our buy our USB drive." I would be like, "Here's 10 bucks. Give me give me your USB key with your best hits on it,
1: and I'll take it home." Or I guess more more likely it'd be like stream us on Spotify. Well, I want to I want to support them in some capacity. How about just they a, were great. How about just a tip? Tip jar. Uh, you, you could do that too, but I, I want like uh, about just giving like just stuffing ten dollars into the dude's shirt pocket.
0: Well, I want something in return. I do want I do want to leave with some of their music. It's a, this is a transaction. You got it though. You got it live. I got it live. I want to I want to relive it. I was looking these guys up online afterwards. I had a I had a really great time there. It was
1: a good time. D- uh, who won? On on that night.
0: Uh, You know what? I stayed until about 1 in the morning, and there was still another group that was going on,
1: so I, I wasn't there until the end. Oh, okay. Yeah, anyway, no, it's a great time. I highly recommend the Cliff Divers. Um, I, You know, I, I I inquired with Dan Levansky about whether or not we might see a uh, Bruiser Brody reunion, which is his other band, of course. Uh, I told him, like, man, SummerSlam weekend, a lot of wrestling fans in town, perfect time to bring back his band, Bruiser Brody. But I don't know. I don't. I didn't get a definite answer.
0: Well, Summerslam weekend's gonna be a busy one. Yes, yes, it is. Including, do you want to alert everybody, the biggest event of the entire
1: week? Yes, of course. Yes, uh, we are doing a live Q and A, the Sunday of Summerslam weekend, uh, one o'clock, one o'clock at. The Second City's John Candy Box Theater. John Pollock and myself, we are going to take to the stage. And very much like uh, we've tried at uh, uh, WrestleMania weekend in New York, this time in our own backyard, we are going to be doing a Q&A and also a meet and greet. So Sunday, August 11th, 2019, 1 o'clock, John Candy yep. Box Theater.
0: All the information is up at postwrestling.com. Forward slash live. And tickets are available now. It is uh, $25 for tickets. All patrons are going to receive a promo code uh, that gets you $5 off of tickets. So if you're here SummerSlam weekend, uh, we hope to meet as many of you as possible at the John Candy Box Theater Sunday, August the 11th at 1 p.m.
1: And tickets are in Canadian. So basically, we're just giving them away. Wow, it's like the the paper they come on. It's pretty What a steal. Yeah. So there you go.
0: Uh, Looking forward to meeting everybody, and we will plug this incessantly over the next uh, two months. But I'm looking forward to it. I had a great time in New York, and I'm looking forward to doing this one in Toronto as well. And this will be the day after Takeover and just hours before SummerSlam. And it's G1 weekend. My head's going to explode, and you may see it happen live on stage.
1: Yeah, how are we going to keep up with all that on that day? I have no idea. Maybe we'll just think... do it live. We'll just like do it. I'll, I'll, <laughs> upload. Uh, I'll like, you know, like update. You'll update the website live. People will just sit there as we watch us as they watch us work on our computers. Wouldn't that be fun? A live viewing experience of
0: how me and Wei watch wrestling together where we'll just sit there and not talk to each other. And yeah. you guys can all just watch
1: us not talk. That would be awesome. But be the complete opposite of what the point of this show is. But, yo, yeah, the Second City, uh, it basically, it's uh, it's the John Candy Box Theater, which is located in the third floor of the Second City. And for those of you who are coming from out of town, it's right next to Wayne Gretzky's, that popular restaurant, which is also not too far away from Skydome and, is, of course, the Scotiabank Arena where uh, uh, SummerSlam has taken place. Have you ever been to the to Wayne Gretzky's? Yes, I have. A few times. Never been. Is the food any good? So, wait, uh, from Wayne,
0: what I recall, it's it's good. It's like um, it's uh, like I wouldn't call it like a bar. It's like more closer to a
1: restaurant, like a hard rock cafe. But yeah, that's a good comparison but for all Wayne Gretzky. It's stuff? a tourist spot. Yeah, does he cook? Wayne Gretzky? No. Well, that's kind of false advertising, don't you think? <laughs> well, he's uh, I'm trying I'm trying to make a pun
0: off of the great one, um, the eight one nothing (laughs) so for moments like that you can come see us at second city august the 11th lots of fun
1: yeah 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 excellent so just look for wayne gretzky's you don't have to eat there but you have to come and see us sunday august 11th one o'clock is our live q a meet and greet right afterwards so we may have some guests in town that week as well, uh, finalizing uh, some
0: some friends of the show that may be in town. We'll have merchandise there, uh, photo opportunities, all that great stuff. So it was a good time in New York, so I think people will vouch for this one. Lovely, lovely. So in that spirit, uh, as we're uh, asking people for money, do you want to give something away? Let's do it. All right, everybody.
1: All it's my cafe, favorite time of the week. Yes, all cafe patrons are eligible for a post wrestling combo pack consisting of a T-shirt, uh, post wrestling coffee sleeve, stickers, and even a postcard. So, uh, if you're a patron, you're entered into what a the value! Straw. Yeah, what an amazing, what an amazing offer! Uh, that's right. Yeah, you get five dollars off. I mean, basically, if you're a patron for the month, like you're basically being a patron for one dollar. Look at me.
0: All right, sales. Let's let's roll. Let's find a name, someone that has been waiting week after week. They download this podcast. They skip to this moment. They want to hear their name. Every week, they're let down. They're disappointed. They're like, why can't John and Way mispronounce my goddamn name? Well, Way is reaching in. He has found that person who has been waiting week after week after week after week. Tonight, you are the winner because that is right. Open
1: your ears because the winner is. Congratulations to Sarush Khan. Sarush Khan. Yeah, Sarush Khan, congratulations. You have won a post wrestling combo pack.
0: Is that an alias for Tony Khan? Is he secretly listening to us? Um who knows? Probably not. Alright, well congratulations, Sarush. Uh, you will be winning a or receiving a post wrestling prize pack, including a coffee sleeve. And we'll get into this in our Raw review. Seems like uh, coffee-inspired merchandise is kind of circulating in the wrestling industry.
1: Oh, man. If Alexa Bliss showed up with high chew next week, I'm going to know what <laughs> what they've been listening to. Remind me when we get to the Alexa Bliss segment to
0: tell you the Alexa Bliss
1: story. Okay.
0: I'll do All my right? best. I will forget. So you have to remind me. And if you forget, everyone loses. Uh Anything else to mention before we move on to uh, this week's shows? That's it. All right. There's a lot of shows this week. That is a very accurate statement. Up now, uh, I do want to make mention, we have been slowly adding all of the full interviews from the Owen Hart documentary. We've got four of them up now. So if you are a patron, along with all those great perks, you also have access to the complete uh, interviews that we had conducted for that documentary. Just uh, put up Paul Lazenby today. On Sunday night, we put up Heath McCoy, and already we have the Jimmy Corderas chat and Jason King, who was the reporter with the Kansas City Star. This Wednesday, for the first time ever at Post Wrestling, Jeff Merrick, 30 minutes with yours truly, sitting in the the lobby at the CBC building, chatting for a half hour. Uh, That will be up on Wednesday, and then the final one will be up next week with Trey Lindstrom, so you can check those out. Tuesday night, we have Rewind to SmackDown Wednesday I should definitely pull up this list because there's just so much. We have the double shot, which I believe Wayne and I are both going to be watching at least the key matches for the best of the super juniors tournament. That is concluding on Wednesday. That'll feature John Moxley's first match since leaving WWE with uh, juice Robinson, Hiroshi Tanahashi, Jay White, and the finals involving Shingo Takagi and Will Ospreay. So that should be a fun show on Thursday. We've got up next with Brayden and Davey, Discussing the hangover edition of NXT coming off of Takeover. That same day, Damian Abraham will be with us on the Cafe Hangout at 3 p.m. Eastern Time. You can tune in live for that if you're a double-double or above patron. Friday, it doesn't slow down at all as we go into the weekend. Ask away returns for patrons. Plus, Way and I are going to be doing a super showdown review. We're going to watch the show. We're going to do a brief recap of the event. But uh, much like our Crown Jewel show, we are going to be focusing on a lot of the larger issues. And thus far, we have two guests joining us. Uh, Karim Zidane, who is a terrific uh, MMA journalist that for years he has been uh, talking about this subject matter and the intersection of politics with sports and how sports at times is often used as a tool for governments. And I think that that is certainly the crossroads we see here with WWE and the government of Saudi Arabia. Plus Will Cooling, who uh, listeners of the British wrestling experience are no stranger to. Uh, he hosts uh, the British wrestling report at the pro wrestling torch site, as well as rights for fighting spirit magazine. He'll be on with us and uh, we may have another guest joining us, but those two already, I'm looking forward to speaking with both of them way.
1: Yeah, very, very much so. Um, you know, it's sort of a weird show, I think for everybody to talk about, but if there's any benefit to potentially come out of it, it's it's that, we can potentially uh, w- raise more awareness about some various important issues that are happening out there in the world. Um, but... Larger
0: issues than whose balls are bigger.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I'll say so. Before you, you go on with the rest of the week, um, I want to give some put some attention to some of the releases that came out over the past week, John, including WH Park's brand new show, Cruel Summer, which looks back at every G1 Climax final with uh, he and a special guest, Every Saturday and Sunday. And this past weekend, we've had episode one, starting with 1991's Keiji Muto versus Masahiro Chono finals with John Pollock, actually. He was the first guest. And then Matt McEwen joined WH on the Sunday show, talking about 1992's final with Chono versus Rick Rude. So that is on our main post wrestling feed, which you should be listening to right now. Just scroll back down and look for Cruel Summer every weekend. Also, our friends, Braden and Davey, did their takeover. 25 post show uh, not just on their feeds uh, you can find it on our feed as well but also on their youtube channel uh, from they actually did this show live on the bde official youtube channel and it looked like a great deal of fun with a lot of activity in the chat room so go subscribe to bde official they'll probably do this again one other time and or or some other time and um, they were also joined by Kyrie, who was there Yes, yes. She was she was kind of, you know, silent and quiet, but she was standing there in, in, in their bedroom um, just watching, like all of yeah. us. I also want to just give one quick shout-out to the Toronto Mike podcast, of which John and I were guests this past Friday. If you go to um Toronto Mike is a podcast uh, that kind of focuses on a lot of uh, media personalities locally in Toronto. And John and I had the privilege of getting on there uh, for two hours kind of talking about our story and various things regarding professional wrestling and media so torontomike.com go check that out
0: yeah i i really love that interview it was a lot of fun uh it's a show i've listened to for quite a while so to go on it was a very enjoyable experience chatting about uh starting this site and all the stuff, a uh, different subject matter than me and Way typically talk about. So, if you want to go check out that podcast, it's a lengthy one. And uh, thanks to Mike and Milan, who were uh, hosting the show with us. Uh, so, speaking of cruel summer, as Way mentioned, Saturday and Sundays throughout the summer, that show is going to be dropping. This weekend, we've got uh, the 1993 final that WH will be covering with Damon McDonald from the Super J cast. And then Sunday with. with Mavs Gillis, who are uh, the two of them will be chatting the Kensuke Sasaki-Masahiro Chono final from 1994. And wrapping up the weekend, we'll have a UFC 238 post-show Saturday night with myself and Phil Talk, And then Sunday night for patrons, a New Japan Dominion post-show with myself and Wei, uh, which should be a loaded, loaded card.
1: Oh, yeah. What a way to cap off. Such a big weekend.
0: Off the top of your head, how many shows do you think you and I are doing, including this one? From now to, until Sunday.
1: Um, 10? T-
0: uh, no, that would be ridiculous. You're doing 7 and I'm doing 8.
1: Okay. it's a lot. But the
0: people demand it. Yeah. And we are not ones to let anybody down. Okay, so you can check the whole schedule out if you missed any of that up at postwrestling.com. Staying on the site, we will now move over to news and starting off with a very, very sad story involving the uh, the sudden death of Atsushi Aoki, who had been the reigning junior heavyweight champion with All Japan Pro Wrestling, just won the title for the fourth time last month and was set to defend it uh, in just a couple of weeks. He was riding his motorcycle. This was on Monday in Tokyo and apparently was approaching a tunnel and couldn't complete the turn is what it sounded like and ended up uh getting into the accident and then died at the hospital he was only 41 years of age uh he is someone that that came up through Noah's system uh debuting on Christmas Eve 2005 his first match he had was a tag match against Mitsuharu Masawa and Akira Taue that was his debut match and of course had a lot of success in New Japan Pro or, sorry in in Noah as a junior heavyweight champion uh, did wrestle for New Japan in their Best of the Super Juniors tournament in 2009. And his career was largely in, in two chapters with uh, the NOAH chapter and then going over to All Japan uh, after his contract expired at the end of 2012. And he was part of that that big contingent that would comprise Burning, along with uh, Junakiyama, Kotaro Suzuki, Yoshinobu Kanemaru, and Goshi Ozaki that left. Uh, this was when Kenta Kobashi was pretty much being pushed into a retirement by Noah and they were very upset with how this was being handled. So they left the company at the end of 2012, went to all Japan. And that's where he spent uh, the remainder of his career. He uh, wrestled as a, as a tag wrestler, winning the all Asian tag titles on three occasions, then having uh, his four reigns as junior heavyweight champion and had also uh, had become like a pretty significant figure with with all japan he was their head trainer at their dojo he had gotten involved in booking in the front office uh, it's a it's a terrible loss uh obviously completely unexpected and this was a guy even at 41 you know still had probably years left in his career so uh, a very very sad story involving Atsushi and aoki and this just came out
1: monday night as raw was going down I mean, 41, man, like, you know, wrestler or not, that's that's incredibly just tragic. Um, But, you know, it sounds like he was an incredible influence to a lot of people in that system. It's, uh, you know, all our best wishes to his family. Yeah,
0: and we'll be, uh, I'm sure, talking about him and and writing about him uh, more later this week. Um, And I'm sure uh, a lot of tributes for him that will be coming out in the next couple of days. We mentioned the finals of the Best of the Super Juniors tournament is set for Wednesday with Shingo Takagi winning the A block on Friday. He ran the table in the block, winning all nine of his matches, so he has gone undefeated throughout the tournament and he will take on Will Ospreay, who won a phenomenal match against Ryusuke Taguchi earlier today in Okayama. I, I love this match, it was tremendous. I. I greatly fell behind in the Best of the Super Juniors once they hit the Corican shows that were the 10 matches per day. Uh, I've been slowly trying to catch up. I did not see the Takagi Ishimori match from Friday where Takagi won the block, but uh, that was said to be an excellent match as well. Uh, So actually, WH Park has put together a great recommendation guide, uh, a spoiler-free one as well. Uh, that people will appreciate uh, that you can go read on the site now if you're going back and want to cherry pick matches to watch before the final on Wednesday. But that should be a you know a a super hot match on Wednesday, way with Takagi and Osprey. Who do you feel they will go with for the title shot?
1: I think it'll be Shingo. I mean, no reason to have him have his first loss in this right now. I think he should be the guy who eventually wins the title and just holds that belt for a long, long time. And potentially what could
0: be the biggest moment on Wednesday is the tease of the first appearance of
1: Hiromu Takahashi. That's right. Yeah. And also the debut of his new cat. That place is going to go insane. If
0: he walks out after the main event.
1: Yeah, absolutely.
0: Um, Either you're walking out to confront, uh, Takagi or Osprey or both or there's a moment in the ring with Dragon Lee Um, anyway I I think that's going to be one of the biggest reactions this year uh, of him walking out because no one has seen
1: him since the injury and uh, with that tease um, I wonder if he'll do you think he'll be ready for action or is this just going to be an appearance
0: I would think just an appearance I would be really surprised um, if they were ready to announce a match involving him uh because when would you announce i guess you could announce him for dallas i I certainly couldn't see him wrestling like that weekend at dominion but i I, who knows like it's been very quiet regarding his uh regarding his status and and how ready he is to return and what you do with him i wouldn't want to build it up on much more than just a couple of days so i would be looking dallas at the earliest um Mm -hmm. for him to come back if not after g1 maybe the g1 finals or something like that um you have options
1: certainly yeah.
0: and a loaded division as well for him to come back to even if you're looking at osprey ultimately uh returning to the heavyweight division after this uh, perhaps shingo is going to be eventually making that move but for the time being um man there's this tournament's been fantastic um throughout i mean there has not been a disappointing show there's been a lot of guys that have really Increase their their value. I think in this company, uh, going into this, even your guys like your Naritas, who I I've seen just some outstanding matches from uh, in this tournament. Robbie Eagles has had some great performances. Um, yeah, certainly, Shotenaka. Like it, it's been a
1: fantastic tournament. Probably the best tournament at least in several years. Sounds like it. Honestly, I've fallen way off. I just it's been very hard yeah. to keep up with it's very tough honestly like i'm waiting for guys like wh to basically recommend hey you got to go watch this but beyond that just to even follow the storylines has been so taxing and not necessarily all that enjoyable so um i will cherry pick
0: all right so we had a story over the weekend from the ring of honor shows they had a show on saturday in kent washington and then sunday in portland oregon and on monday uh a Twitter user who went by the name of Oshkosh Big Josh. Uh, his real name is
1: Josh Ketch. The real story is him making John Pollock just read his screen name. Oshkosh Big Josh. Yes, I uh, I did find out his
0: his his actual name here for the story. So um, he put out the, this really lengthy story. I'm not going to read the entire thing, but he outlined a scene where he had gotten into it with members of the Allure. And that... Featuring Velvet Sky, Angelina Love, and Mandy Leone, primarily um, Mandy Leon and Velvet Sky. And he was obviously uh, yelling things at them, which he believes were well within the typical chance that you would levy at heels. He mentioned in his story that Mandy Leone at one point uh, spit at him and also uh, face palmed him as well. And it led to an incident where a supposed security uh, officer came by and told him that he was to come to the back to speak to someone about an incident. He's later stated that this person who came to get him was uh, Hunter Johnston, delirious, and he was brought into an area and left alone with, with Bully Ray and stated he felt very intimidated. Uh, Bully Ray, it, it's, it sounded like it was a very quick discussion and. And he said not to uh, – asking him if he had some incident with, with the women and not to be disrespectful and essentially sent him back to his seat and he went back to watch the rest of the show. But outlining this story that here he was put in this position alone with a wrestler uh, feeling intimidated. A bully Ray has now come out and he has given his own lengthy statement as well that it was – a very short discussion he had with this fan and that this fan was being very disrespectful to these women and he was defending them. And that was his uh, defense of this. He said that in retrospect, the fan should have been ejected. Unfortunately, it wasn't until after the fan was asked to not be so rude. Did we find out the severity of the vile comments and lewd sexual gestures made towards the women? And velvet sky has also said that he apparently uh, spit obscenities and lewd sexual gestures at the female wrestlers. And uh, that, that was her response to all of this. So in essence, this is coming down to what was said to the women that prompted them to have this kind of response, and a significant one. I would say that no matter what is yelled at you, if you're a... Th- this goes for fans, I think, about never crossing the barricade and touching wrestlers, I think it goes the other way too that no matter what is said you should never spit on a on a fan or make contact with them just for your own um j- just for your own possible discipline that could come with something like that by laying your hands on a fan. Uh there have been some fans that were around there that have defended this fan. So I think that we don't know necessarily what he said. Obviously if it was some horrible comment uh you have less sympathy for them. But I think that it's it's hard to defend the way this was conducted by Ring of Honor, that you're bringing a fan to the back, leaving him alone with a wrestler. Uh, to me, Bully Ray just put himself uh, in a position where you don't have a third party there, and it's suddenly your word against his. I don't think that was the best choice to make. And it just it comes across as something you'd hear out of the territories, where a fan is brought to the back, and I'm sure he was concerned about what was going to happen doesn't sound like there was anything um, that occurred other than a bit of a warning and sent back to his seat but it just seems like this was certainly you can make critical comments about how this was handled and what were the severity of these comments made by the fan did they warrant such an action in response and where was security in all of this uh this should not be wrestlers policing themselves and fans i think that they're this just came across as like a, a bad look overall, that if you're someone um, going to an ROH show, uh, does this does this story make you want to go to a show or
1: not? kind of makes ROH look small time in the way that they might have handled this. And, and you know, the question of where security was, I mean, I don't know. Um, maybe sec- uh, who knows? I, I can't even begin to speculate. We should I should mention that uh, Velvet Sky in a follow up tweet said it was Brian Johnson and not Delirious who was a oh, person okay. escorting her uh the the gentleman backstage. But um anyway, it's 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 um it's one of those situations where I mean, the whole world is basically speculating kind of on what exactly what happened, but I think what we do know for a fact is that this gentleman was brought backstage and confronted in front of uh with Bully Ray who gave him a talk. We don't know maybe the I guess I don't know intensity of that level of talk, but the you know, I guess the the debate is whether or not that talk should have even happened, whether or not that that gentleman should have been brought to the back to speak to uh, a wrestler, Bully Ray. Um, and, um, you know, I I would say I see a lot of people siding with the fan. Um, certainly the, the female performers coming out and saying that, you know, this person said a lot of things that were inappropriate. I think that's valid too, but I don't know what was said. In the end, I don't... It's need- the part
0: about wrestling that ultimately... You don't know what was said, so it's hard to make you know uh, a clear distinction. Obviously, it was enough that it set off uh, Mandy Leone and but, Velvet you know, Sky. No
1: matter what was said, I mean, I guess you could have an opinion of whether or not a, a professional wrestling company on a, on a national stage like Ring of Honor should have dealt with it the way they did, uh, rather than just, you know, reject the fan. Which... If it was a significant problem, security
0: should have been alerted, and this fan is removed if, if he is disrupting the show. I have not seen any fans come out and and state that he was uh, negatively impacting the show, Um, Mm -hmm. but but maybe we will hear that. Maybe we won't. Uh, I think that there's there is a level of um, you know when when you don't have a a clear idea of what exactly was exchanged here. Uh, The fan did admit to the fact that you know he was asked by Velvet Sky, "Are you a virgin?" and his response was that. you have sex with that fat turd bully Ray uh, that he noted. That was what he yelled back. Um,
1: yeah. I mean,
0: I mean, this this stupid, this, it a, gets it, it's just it's two sides of the story that you're hearing uh, both sides and uh, I, somewhere in the middle is what actually happened.
1: I mean, it honestly makes everybody look really stupid. And I, I just like, you know, sometimes I feel like we like. This is just a non-story, in my opinion.
0: So uh, Ring of Honor did state that they are looking into this. They're conducting an internal review. Uh, but that was before Bully Ray put out his statement. Uh, I don't assume much is going to happen from from this uh, other than... Don't do probably that anymore. Th- th- this, th- that at the very least, I think ROH should have a protocol in place. That if there is a disturbance with a fan... Uh, how it should be dealt with. And it probably should not be the wrestlers that are having fans brought to the back. That is probably not a good solution or protocol to have in place.
1: Seeing this type of, uh, I think, um, uh, um, response, then yeah, I would probably say so. That would be pretty safe. And at the very least, having um, multiple people there that can
0: be witnesses to what happened. Because this fan could accuse Bully Ray of, of threatening him, of saying anything. And Bully Ray... Uh, whether he was threatening or not, th- it, all he has is his word and no apparent witness that can back up what was said. I mean, it, it sounds like it was th- – like there isn't uh, a disagreement over what was said in the back. Um, The disagreement is bully believing he was very polite to the fan and the fan said, you know, he acknowledged everything, apologized, but then later stated he did feel intimidated.
1: Yeah. And I guess, you know – it. it if he did say, you know, very, incredibly lewd things that were wildly inappropriate, do you think that being intimidated is wrong? Uh, s- Sorry, in in what way? Well, that let's say it, he did That, that he, say he say, deserved to be yelled at or threatened? Yes, I'm just trying to think if there's a scenario where what Bully Ray did was justifiable. Obviously, you're talking about, uh, you know, it, it's just
0: flat out like this is also his girlfriend involved in all of this yeah so there's that connection but no i would say that that's that's security's job remove the fan if people are around him and hearing these chants or they're they're this guy is creating a, a negative environment for the performers for everyone involved that's not part of the show then security removes him but i would say that no you cannot be out there threatening fans um now would that Not be in worse? this day and age, I, I don't think that stuff
1: can fly. Would that be worse? Would that would this fan complain about being kicked out for simply booing a heel? Uh, I think if there was uh, people around that heard him,
0: that we're going to back this up. Um, I, I think I think you're justified in in policing your show to a certain degree. If you're if you're per, if you're yelling obscenities, if you're yelling uh, sexual comments that mm. are disturbing other people. I don't really have an issue with a fan being ejected. That is uh, affecting everyone else's enjoyment, yeah. um, and it and it's a line. It's this yeah. is wrestling where you are encouraged to participate. This is not um, this is it. not like going to a, a stand up comedy show where you are not expected to heckle. You are encouraged to heckle at, to a degree, but it's also a line, and there's a big gray area
1: of where different people's lines are. Well, yeah, this I think the gray area, I guess, is what makes makes this conversation somewhat. Um, I don't know why we're even having a conversation. I guess the form of punishment that the, you know at, at this time, bully Ray deemed to be appropriate was having the talk with the gentleman backstage. Um, maybe he feels like he should have ejected him, or maybe this was maybe ejecting the guy would have made this worse. I don't. I'll know. also say
0: this though that. Uh I I don't think you can get away with with spitting on a fan, like that's pretty bad too. That's yeah, that's pretty bad. Absolutely. Um, and and the fan did not seem all that upset either. Like he kind of took that part in stride. And I think many people that would be the real uh, tip off point is that
1: a performer spit on you and laid your hands on on him. Yeah. Again, um, I don't know how much we can even add to this, right? like well that's this is happened. the story
0: i mean this is this is what, what's out there there are two sides to the story and somewhere in all of this uh I, I think that you may not necessarily get to the uh the exact truth uh but at the very least i would hope that ring of honor at the end of this has a more uh defined protocol of what you do in these kinds of situations and also make it pretty clear to your talent that you you cannot be spitting on and laying your hands on fans that you're putting yourself just in the potential area of litigation that in this day and age it, that that's a very real possibility and it doesn't sound like this fan is someone that was all that upset about that aspect but that is something to i think caution your talent over
1: yeah yeah is there a conversation to be had with wrestling fans too though about what you know what's going too far as far as you know um yelling things at performers
0: I I think I think common sense. I think that there's enough. um,
1: Common sense is 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 subjective, isn't it?
0: I mean, it's like yeah, we 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 could go through a whole laundry list of like what what is appropriate or not appropriate at at a wrestling show. I think when you're getting into stuff that is just out and out sexist or homophobic or racist, I think that that's a pretty clear line that that's that's not okay to to be yelling at, at at performers. Mm -hmm. and is this what the scenario was well again like we can't state that i I would honestly believe that like if i I think it really comes down to those that were around this fan that can vouch for what was said or not said and uh, i think that's that's what you kind of have to rely on here so far we're
1: going by the two parties that are directly involved yeah yeah anyway I mean in the heat of the moment I I mean shit I I man I don't know uh but I I'm I'm sure this investigation whatever happens might bring some clear answers. I imagine Bully Ray on his own radio show will probably get into more detail about this but then again, you know, are we going to get a full story uh, eventually? I'm not so sure. And Bully Ray also wasn't out there for when these comments
0: were being uttered. Right. Well, just so. for his his own side of things, I guess. I mean he stated that it wasn't till after he spoke to this fan backstage that he heard about what was exactly said. So So why did um, he bring
1: him backstage?
0: That's was just that's an a, unruly fan? That's a great question. Was it just something vague that this fan is creating a disturbance out there for these women? Um I don't know. I would I would imagine you're right. I'm sure Billy Ray will address this further on his radio show this week. Uh but
1: yes. This was it feels like fucking high school and uh anyway wrestling is just it's just like that sometimes
0: can we end with any of your um impressions of takeover on saturday night
1: oh i thought it was a fantastic show i mean it really i i think like match for match i i might have enjoyed it more than double or nothing um just top to bottom an amazing crowd and um Spectacular matches. Absolutely. I, I would show. put those
0: five matches ahead of the best five matches at, at double or nothing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I don't know if anything reached uh, the dramatic level of Cody and Dustin, but I think, yeah, if you were to take uh, those the, the five matches at TakeOver versus the, five ma- the top five matches at double or nothing, uh, this was a match-to-match better show. But, man, you're really talking about two incredible shows in the span of a week. I put this takeover I enjoyed this more than the Brooklyn show that we went to over Wrestlemania weekend I put this among the best takeovers I've seen I thought those first two matches just they just blew me away Mm -hmm. with the Matt Riddle Roderick Strong opener the ladder match I thought was really creative in some of the stuff they did I was I was frightened at that ladder spot when the Forgotten Sons got German suplexed and the ladder flew and nearly hit Kyle O'Reilly who I'm sure was not in a in a great way on Sunday morning in terms of getting up out of bed, but man, they worked hard. And I thought Wesley Blake, that was a great performance from him. I thought he really stood out in the latter match. Uh, what did you think about the usage of a
1: uh, wrestle and flow? Josiah Williams in the uh, main event with the Adam Cole entrance. I thought it was really cool. I was really happy to see him there. Um, you know, obviously he's been working in the back as a social media guy, but to me, his main talents are, are his ability to rap. Um, so, I'm glad they. I think they just used the exact version of the, the Undisputed Era theme that he made himself, but you know, made it, made this one a little bit more special. I'm, I, I was, I thought it was cool. I think you could do a great one with, with,
0: with Matt Riddle's uh, theme. Sure. Cause yeah. that one screams lyrics that it could use and really give Matt Riddle kind of a more of a superstar like entrance. Yeah. But it was cool. I really liked it. I love when they do the entrances a bit differently for a big show like that and that was a spectacular main event it was a really great show on saturday night i imagine Moro Ronaldo couldn't talk on sunday
1: oh man i don't know how his voice holds up but um yeah he was was
0: that the was that the call
1: of all calls for the back body drop um i mean he's had many of them but sure yeah
0: All right, well, let's move on to Raw from Monday night, Austin, Texas, the Frank Irwin Center, and it was all built around Brock Lesnar cashing in his money in the bank. They announced last week online Brock Lesnar would be cashing in. They had Stephanie McMahon cut an interview. They had Paul Heyman cut an interview. (laughs) Yet they They
1: they called it breaking news all night. It
0: was it was brocking news all night long, and they pushed this so hard way that they sent out an email blast to everyone Monday afternoon. Tonight, Brock Lesnar cashes in on Seth Rollins 8 pm. Eastern, raw. Oh. They hit this so damn hard that when it was, when it was done, I looked up at my
1: ceiling and just howled. Man, it was just uh, i I guess it just like continues to just breed this like contentious relationship between the company and the fans. And I think they've already done that. Like even before this week with this whole Brock Lesnar money in the bank thing. Like, I think we all like the whole boom box thing. I think the idea of Brock coming out like that first week was really cool, but now it's just gotten to the point where you've, you just made everybody started to groan every time you think about Brock Lesnar with the money in the bank, bank briefcase. um, And I mean, doing things like this, that just feel like they don't give a shit about that relationship or pleasing the audience at all.
0: Well, it was a night where I think they were just shooting for the moon, knowing that they weren't going up against the NBA and that they're probably going to get killed next week in Game 5, which, with the Raptors losing on Sunday, Raw was the big loser. Not that the Raptors, I think, were going to sweep the Warriors, so they had to be bracing for a fifth game. Roman Reigns started the show, and... We've got the camera stationed in the back. There's Charlie Caruso awaiting Brock Lesnar to arrive. And after listening to the Dean Ambrose interview with Wade Keller, (laughs) it's legit that this guy does show up in the middle of the show.
1: Well, he seemed early for this one. Yeah. What is it? He
0: arrived. uh, (laughs) I guess it was like, (laughs) I'm going to maybe maybe after SmackDown, we'll talk about this Dean Ambrose interview with uh, Wade Keller, but I... I highly recommend, it's a great follow-up to the Jericho interview, and in particular, Dean Ambrose spending about 20 minutes explaining what happened with his match with Brock Lesnar at WrestleMania, where they started to seriously go over what they were going to do in the match as WrestleMania had started. Shane McMahon cuts off Reigns and says, like fine wine, he gets better with age. Uh-huh. Quite the wine that he uh, has um, grown into. He says he's going to beat Reigns from one side of the ring to the other. He's either, he's either going to pin him on Friday or slap on the triangle and force Reigns to tap out for the first time in his career.
1: I didn't realize he had never tapped
0: out before. I wonder if anyone did before this promo. Not but really. it's not no. hard to believe.
1: It's not really something they they promote. I think uh, it's a good thing to push now. Yeah, Sure. Um, I wonder if Shane's gonna
0: somehow submit this guy
1: on Friday. Yeah, yeah, I don't think so. Um, okay, thanks for letting us know. He says that
0: once he slaps on the triangle, he won't break the hold when he's told to, and he's gonna he's gonna go uh, Husamar Palharas, and he's gonna make Reigns' eyes bulge out of his head, and Reigns tells him to shut up. He's going to pick Shane's spoiled ass up and boom you through this mat. And Shane, when you get in the ring with me, you've got two left feet. You've got to rely on Drew McIntyre, and he says, I'm going to beat you. Then I'm going to whoop McIntyre's ass in two weeks at stomping grounds. So we've got Reigns' next two pay-per-view matches all set up after this promo.
1: You kind of have to with, with them being so close to each other. But, um...
0: Yeah, next week, they've got to essentially put that whole pay-per-view together next week. Because they have one Raw after that.
1: Yeah. um, My interest level for any of those matches, I don't think is very high at all. Um, But, you know, nonetheless, they have all these shows to put together, and you have to do stuff. So, Drew McIntyre versus Roman Reigns. Here we go.
0: Drew joins Shane. He doesn't like the attitude being displayed by Texas. Cuts a promo for stomping grounds. He doesn't need his partners. He's going to take out Reigns now, but it's all a ploy as the Revival jumps Reigns from behind, leading to the Usos running out. Crowd got hot as the babyfaces cleared the ring, and into the six-man tag we go.
1: Yep. Yep. That. Th- yeah, this was it. You know, just uh, a bunch of promos, and then a match with all the people that are out there.
0: The Usos and Revival will be part of the 50-man battle royal. So that's about what, um, we got like six or seven people announced and, uh, 43 surprises on
1: Friday. All fighting over something that doesn't matter at all. They haven't announced anything for the winner. Like, not even a trophy. Because it doesn't matter. They'll get a, uh, I don't know, fucking gray belt or purple belt or something. I don't know. It doesn't matter. I'm just...
0: Looking at the visual of how this match starts, of how silly it's going to look.
1: Maybe we'll have people on the floor as well. They can't all fit in this ring. No, I think they'll do something where I don't know. They'll cut half of the people off, or maybe they'll like add like a maybe somebody will put a lock in gorilla, and then these people can't. Maybe they'll use it two out. decks of cards. Oh, okay. Yep, yeah, they could do that. Um, I don't know, dude.
0: They had the advantage on Jay for a long time. They went through two commercial breaks here. Reigns got in. Crowd was into him. He's teasing the Superman punch. Drew ducked it. Glasgow kiss. Jay's tagged in. Reigns hits the Superman punch. Knocks off Wilder with another one off the apron. And then Shane gets involved. Reigns gets a hold of him, but he's cut off with the Claymore. Jimmy gets pulled to the floor. They hit the shatter machine. Claymore to Jay. And the heels win the match. Um, I do think that... uh, Shane McMahon is playing like a really great heel manager yes. that reigns is just trying to get his hands on, and this friday uh is that match, and they'll probably do some other kind of misdirection, so um they extend this program,
1: yeah, 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 it's been a- but
0: i do I like Shane in the role like I don't think he's a he he's a negative I think he's like all in as being this this cowardly heel. A total departure from his babyface persona, and I think more
1: natural for him. I thought he was really funny when he did the spear, and he uh, he's, a, he's a funny guy. Um, I was actually quite excited to see Roman team up with the Usos a bit more. They, you know, I feel like they, they might have, like, tried to coin a, a team name for them, Bloodline. Bloodline, yes. I mean, I even think that's kind of cool, but the match was really just nothing special at all. Did not make the, the trio really feel... And like a real team or, or the match did not even feel different from any other WWE TV tag team match. You've seen one WWE TV tag team match. You've seen them all. So this was just kind of generic tag team wrestling. I really wasn't clamoring to see any more by the end of it. They hit the shatter machine
0: onto Reigns, another Claymore, and that's when they held up Reigns and Shane speared him. And also did Roman Reigns pose, which I thought was very funny. And he was also sweating profusely. I cannot imagine this guy in an open air stadium on
1: Friday. Um yeah, he it's to be really life. hot for this guy. Yeah, man. But you know, it's it's just it's a McMahon versus babyface angle. It is um
0: but for lack of anything else with Roman Reigns at the time. I I don't think that this is a uh,
1: lack of anything else. They could come up with something better, can't they? Well, the answer in short would be no.
0: All right. Uh we were showing Matthew McConaughey wearing a shirt and Lance Armstrong in the audience. What a duo. What what is this conversation like?
1: Um I don't know. Not sure. Maybe that they, maybe they're working on a project together. Yeah. Do you
0: imagine if like Usada showed up to test Brock and then they see Lance Armstrong in the crowd? Wow. Probably be a backstage brawl. So Ms. TV, following uh, the shot of Matthew McConaughey, Ms. goes, all right, all right, all right. And that was our Dazed and Confused reference. He brought out Seth Rollins. And Rollins questions if Lesnar is even going to show up tonight because Heyman's a liar. But he's prepared anyway. And he would be relieved if Lesnar showed up to cash in. Because he's got this title defense with Baron Corbin Friday and notes that nobody in the world likes Baron Corbin. And a vehicle arrives, Heyman and Lesnar get out, and they go to cash in. They tease walking out, but instead they just walk to a locker room as Seth watches on, agonizing with the mind games beginning. Mind games were in heavy, heavy usage on Monday night.
1: Yeah, a lot of games. It was like the mind Olympic games.
0: Lucha House Party came out, followed by Lars Sullivan. I don't know for what. They just came out to brawl, and at first, Sullivan was laying them out. Kalisto went for the springboard into an avalanche, but then the Lucha House Party got the numbers advantage and sent Sullivan to the floor with a triple-team dropkick, but he landed on his feet, and he just roared.
1: hmm Well, that's about as much offense as you're going to get on Lars Sullivan, right? So, I mean, I thought this was building... Attempting to build some intrigue for the match. Um, You're going to see a, a, a somewhat competitive squash. But in the end, it'll be a squash on Friday. We cut to Nikki Cross with the Iconics. And they called Nikki a
0: sad puppy. And that WWE is not a dog park. Referring to Becky Lynch as a mutt. And then Alexa Bliss walked in. With her new shirt. Twisted Bliss Coffee. So they're really trying to get this... Off the ground. Alexa Bliss has a, a love of coffee.
1: Mm-hmm. It's her thing. Yeah.
0: Clever. Bliss asks uh, Nikki if she wants a coffee. And Cross is just so... She is so grateful that Alexa was going to offer her a coffee. And Bliss explains that no one can stand her. Cross doesn't care what the others believe or... Bliss has passed because since I've arrived, you've been nothing but nice to me. And Alexa, I consider you a friend. And in turn, Bliss volunteers to be in Nikki's corner tonight.
1: Hmm. Yeah, I mean, this feels like it's it's a it was a baby face turn for Alexa Bliss. Uh, whether or not, you know, permanent will it remains to be seen. I'm glad they're see they seem to be committed to doing something with Nikki Cross. Um, her presence. I think they really have something with Nikki Cross
0: as a baby face.
1: Yeah, I think so. First of all, I think she, you know, doesn't look like any of the other um um uh, uh women on the roster, so she has that going for her. Um you know, we'll see. I I I don't feel like they've really had the audience, you know, they haven't given it really anything for people to really like her uh for yet, but the potential is there. I think this association with Alexa has been okay so far. It's a bit, it's been a bit weird because, you know, Alexa was supposed to wrestle at money in the bank and then Nikki took her place. And, you know, now they're teaming up. Was this always a plan? We don't know, but as far as like, you know, the next step in this storyline, why not? Sure.
0: I know it's ridiculous to expect something that pays off in six months. So let's be realistic and say like, I don't want them to break up in two weeks. Let's give this until SummerSlam, and I think it could really be something where Nikki thinks she has a friend in Alexa, and ultimately Alexa's just playing this girl. And I think this could well, be yeah. really they've good been, for Nikki. They've already, but beat give Lacey. us give us two months. That's all I ask. Two months together before we break them up.
1: Yeah, they've already beat Lacey versus Charlotte.
0: Yeah, I mean, that's that to me is the the brand split right there. Tea versus coffee. Oh. And that's how it can be all set up is Alexa dumps coffee on her or something, something terrible, like Jericho and Kane. Yeah, wow. the best feud over coffee. That's the bar, Jericho and Kane. So my Alexa story. You and I got into quite the debate a few weeks ago about that coffee segment. Did we? Do you remember this? When they brought out the two cups of coffee? Oh, okay, yeah. Vaguely, yeah. And Alexa poured one coffee into the other. And I was perplexed by this because I was questioning if two coffees were brought out for them, how could one fit into the other? So, I guess you and I had quite the back and forth over this. So, somebody at WWE reached out to me
1: to put oh, us at ease. Way, oh my God, this elicited and, and
0: settle this for us. A corporate okay.
1: response, okay? Yes,
0: yes, we got the official uh, response here, stating uh, it was a character bit that Alexa wanted to do where Alexa called for her coffee and the assistant brings coffee for both of them. But Alexa tops her own coffee and hands the empty mug to Nikki because she's selfish and oblivious, even while she's pretending to be Nikki's friend. And it was in fact that the cups were not filled to the brim. So Alexa could fit all of it into one cup. And it was actual hot coffee that was brought out. Cool. Thanks. (laughs) Thanks. <laughs> you wanted insight way. You wanted an answer. There you go for the for the segment. I don't even remember watching the segment today. I remember the segment cuz I thought it was really good with with Alexa and Nikki because it was Nikki doing all those facial reactions and like I I've enjoyed the chemistry of these two. Mhm. Yeah. So, I I think that they they have something uh a potential something with these two. Mm-hmm. Um and I think Nikki's like a really good
1: Babyface so far. What kind of assistant serves half filled cups of coffee, though? Fire that guy.
0: Well, I mean, I don't know if it excuses half, but typically, I mean, the polite thing to do is you always leave room for cream or milk. You don't fill it right to the top. No, cream or milk on stage? Well, if she was a really good assistant, she would have brought that out. You haven't seen that assistant since, have you? So
1: maybe the assistant was. So this assistant brought out a half filled cup of coffee, I guess, okay, you could justify it by, you know, leaving room for milk and sugar, but no milk or sugar. This was also like 930 at night. So do you really want a full cup of coffee? You got to ask your source for more follow-up. Becky Lynch is in the ring.
0: No coffee. She said this is the, this past week was the first time she's been home in 63 days. Wow. I mean, I, I take her word that that is probably accurate. That's insane. Get a tour bus. She says she she went over all the things she's done in those 63 days, including changing brands. Which, has that ever been officially stated until now, that she is now on Raw?
1: Uh, I think so. I, uh, they never... You know, it's one of those things that you just kind of have to assume because... She had both belts, and now she only has the Raw belt, so I guess she's Raw. Mm-hmm. Who cares? She said, are we keeping count tonight? I,
0: you can't. I think we're only at Roman, right? Uh, Roman and, uh, yeah, I think it's only been Roman so far.
1: Lars, right?
0: Mm, yes, Lars, you're right, too. Mrs. And- on Raw. Revivals on Raw. Usos are on Raw. Okay, so, so yeah, we're, Lars, we're at two. Charlotte. Well, we're not at Charlotte yet, so okay. let's let's count as we go. But yeah, Becky says the worst thing that can happen to someone is being content, and when it happens to a fighter, that's when they get hurt, get passed over, or beat. And she was awoken when she lost at Money in the Bank. She's pissed off, and she will come after Lacey Evans. She hasn't forgotten about her. So out comes Evans. And says, Becky is like a dog chasing a car. And you wouldn't know what to do if you caught it. Uh, She still referred to her as Becky Two Belts here. And Becky, in turn, threatened to rip the arm out of her socket. And Evan said, don't confuse me with Charlotte Flair. I may not have beaten you at Money in the Bank, but I'm the reason you lost your next next match. And I'm going to make you Becky No Belts. Then Charlotte came out. So that is number three. And told Becky to stop making excuses, put over the fact she's the nine-time champion. And Evans called her a daddy's girl. And Charlotte's response that she is now more than halfway on her way to breaking her dad's record of titles. So we're going with the 16 number. And she is at nine. So that is obviously the, uh, the goal. Uh, we've got to race through these, these title reigns as quickly as possible. So we'll probably get seven, seven in, in rapid fire over the next year or two.
1: Yeah, I'm trying to think what the point is. Like she'll get there eventually, but it seems like they're in a real rush to get there. I mean, is it? I don't know if this is one of those things where it's just like I, I looked at these things as more
0: important when I was a kid. But I remember when, when Bret Hart became like a five-time WWF champion, and I thought, wow, that's that's so that's so many five different title wins that he's had. I cannot imagine a kid today that is, oh my god, Randy Orton's won the title 14 times. And please don't correct me if that is not the accurate number. The whole point is that for the life of me, I could not tell you how many times some of these people have had titles for. Like, do you think that that's even an important thing to people, like this number, once it gets to a certain ridiculous level?
1: Um, I guess for <laughs> I don't think so, Uh, but, you know, to a kid, 14 sounds like a pretty big number, so uh, maybe to that kid, sure. Uh, But, you know, with Charlotte specifically, I, I'm just trying to think, you know, maybe they just want to have that moment between her and her dad finally crowning her um 17-time champion, perhaps. I'm just trying to think of, like, why they're in such a rush to do it, because inevitably, she will probably get there by the end of her career, but, you know, by this pace... She'll probably be like a 30-time champion by the time she's retired. So then we had this weird moment to end the
0: segment where Evans is talking, calls her yesterday's news, and she goes to hit Charlotte with the woman's right, which is her finishing move. And Charlotte sells it like, sh- like a slap. Mm-hmm. She doesn't leave
1: her feet. She just turns to the rope and is standing there. Well, maybe that wasn't a woman's right. Maybe that was just a punch. They called it the woman's right. Well, maybe they're mistaken. Maybe oh. the announcers miscalled it, you see, because, you know, the woman's That right. was the woman's light right. Yes. Yes. Because
0: the, then they just staggered in the ring, and Michael Cole awkwardly goes, it appears we are going to have a match. Yeah.
1: That was, was really a very strange. awkward setup. Yeah, it was really strange. And I mean, obviously Charlotte couldn't be knocked out because they were about to have the match, but then why do the punch? Why didn't they do a slap? Also, the camera couldn't really catch it properly, but the announcers did call it the woman's right. So I think a bit of miscommunication. Maybe she should have used her left. Yes, and
0: explain that she is not left-handed, but thought she had a good angle at Charlotte with the left Lacey Evans and Charlotte Flair. Um, I did not think this gelled.
1: No, I thought it was slow and just a drag. I mean, it's also two heels that the crowd just don't care for. Yeah, this has been a very perplexing story over
0: the past week where we have gone from the setup of these two as kind of allies to the breakup last week to the match on Monday. Like, this, to me, was like, this could have been a summer-long program with these two, and we did it over the course of three episodes.
1: I have no idea why. Is it just that they want to put these three on TV? And only these three? Like, it doesn't feel like it's anything
0: built up long-term other than they... I don't know like I really like the idea of like pairing Lacey and Charlotte together for a little bit and you know you had Charlotte who seemingly was going to be paired with Bailey for a bit you continue Lacey with, with Becky and I like the idea of these two teaming because that's a way to kind of hide Lacey but have her working with with top talent and not having the full spotlight on her for these these matches like I think a little tag run over the summer could have been beneficial to her long term and it doesn't seem like they're going that way um Evans flew over the top and missed an elbow The they did the struggle for a backbreaker that Flair hit and then goes for the figure four but was already in the corner and then just got kicked over there's a mid-ring double cross body both go down C- crowd was quiet and then they picked up which is what you hope for but what they were getting hot for was chanting for Becky who was on the floor just having to watch this match Becky then just out of nowhere Just pulls Charlotte to the floor for the DQ finish and hits Evans with the man-handle slam. So we sat through 10 minutes of this uh, for this DQ finish, and I was not excited for Becky Lacy 2
1: at a pay-per-view to be named later. Probably stomping grounds. I wasn't excited for any of this. And, you know, talk about a match that just, meh, just was slow and just... Didn't have the proper story behind it. Didn't have the proper uh, heel babyface dynamic behind it. Yeah, and that heard it too. And then but ju- also, yeah, just for a Charlotte match, this was um, disappointing, certainly. And then just that Becky come in and just like to cause a DQ, no creativity involved. It almost felt like they 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 you know just I don't know I don't know what what it was, but it, by the end it just felt like a real waste of time. Um a real waste of time of like yeah uh, uh, i could be doing anything else you know if i if you're grateful enough to have a viewer spend 10 minutes to give this match a chance only to just give like a shitty ending like this um i don't uh, i don't know how much incentive that viewer is going to have to give these two a chance again Ray Mysterio
0: came out with a uh, wearing a sling for his shoulder injury, and he was going to deliver a speech. Samoa Joe interrupted him, and they were saying how Ray has never had to relinquish a title before. And Joe says, "You're relinquishing this title because you never beat me." And Ray says that he has won titles his whole career through pain and injuries, and therefore he's able to go ahead and announce that he is relinquishing this title to Joe. And then Joe attacks him and applies the Coquina clutch and takes the United states title and There was a time when this spurred on uh WrestleMania Four trying to just give the title to someone uh but today this this was considered cool. Joe's now the champion,
1: yeah, yeah, um, I guess I uh, thought they
0: were gonna do something where they held this up. uh God forbid they announce, hey, we're having a battle royal on Friday that will determine the new champion. No, Joe just got possession of the title, and he is uh, back to being the champion.
1: Yeah, I mean, I expected something with Dominic. I don't know if if that's the end of that for now, or or if we're going to get Dominic. But it just felt like they kind of dropped this without that much follow up. Um, I actually felt like Ray looked kind of shitty in all this because he knows we all know they played the replay that Joe's shoulder was not technically down. I think if Ray is supposed to be a true babyface. And a true heel, he should just give up the belt for that reason alone. Joe calls him out on this, says the reason why you're you're uh, giving up this belt it shouldn't be because your your shoulder is injured, just because you sh- you didn't beat me. And Ray just basically ignores it and says, uh, 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 um, I my shoulder's hurt. So I think Ray comes out of this looking pretty bad. Well, I mean, he really is hurt, so you're kind of limited with what you can do with him. Um, oh, well, no, guess- I'm saying as a character, like, shouldn't the hero admit that I didn't properly beat you, have the belt? Uh, I
0: think that also makes him come across kind of uh, honest weak to the audience. I think you can acknowledge that. I mean ideally why did you'd you want have, to say then, that
1: I will I will give you a rematch then, for this title and beat you definitively,
0: but that's probably so not then, so, an option. So then my
1: question is, John, why did they replay that finish? And why do they have Joe repeat it here here in the in the promo? Oh, I'm not saying it doesn't make Ray look bad, and I
0: don't know why you would necessarily just point out that your babyface won it in this fashion. Especially if you if you can't go to the rematch uh, I, I think that this just made Ray look um pretty inconsequential, which has kind of been the story of his return. Mm-hmm. Lesnar is shown getting ready for Heyman in the back. It was just constant shots of Lesnar. Like th- this felt like um I don't know. This felt like Steve Austin back in the day where we had to get this guy on on camera every fifteen minutes to build the, up the number.
1: I think this it feels like it's their like modern version of like HLA uh um. <laughs> with Brock being like, you know, like naked woman, you know? Like, hey everybody, come back. She's she's gonna like you might see a you might see something. Man, if
0: if these numbers come out on Tuesday and it's like they're 15% drop throughout the show, it's going to be some some long faces. Yeah, I mean, it's just it's so desperate and it's so s- sad. It's just funny because two weeks ago, this did work the first time they tried it with teasing the cash-in. Last week, it did not work. And this week, they doubled down and were like, well, it's going to work a third time, even though by the second, people had figured out the game. So they just decide, well, if we promote even harder, they can't believe we'll fuck them again. But
1: little do they know. (laughs) It's amazing. It's amazing that they're willing to gamble away their, like what little credibility they still have with their audience this way. I think everything is centered on that week's show. And we'll
0: worry about next week, next week tonight was about just building this audience. And, and I can see a lot of people just believing once again, the, the boy who cried wolf that they were, they were going to see this. And for two plus hours, they were, they were believing that they would get what would be delivered to them. Um, and may- and maybe not. I- I'm very curious to see what this pattern is like. Uh, Cesaro did a promo. His actions speak for themselves. Ricochet's a great talent, but he's naive if he thinks he'll beat him again. Uh, they're about to have their third match in three weeks, and they've split wins so far. Ricochet confirms Cesaro's actions have always spoken louder than his words. And this rivalry could last a decade.
1: Well, wow. Ten years of oh. them trading wins. Um... Yeah, possible. I would rather see them wrestle each other for ten years than to have them continue to cut selfie promos, because I thought these were two great wrestlers cutting two pretty bad promos.
0: Yeah. Um, well, Cesaro pretty much said, "This is not my forte." Great,
1: thank you. <laughs> <I'm> <laughs> not the best talker, thank and he's—he's he's not a bad talker. Yeah, but. I think in this style, in this system, it's just not the right voice for him. It's not the right look for him. It's just nothing about it worked. Like, send us a tax next time. You don't need to do the selfie thing.
0: This guy was the original coffee wrestler connoisseur. That's right. Yep. Braun Strowman and Bobby Lashley were out. They're going to have a match on Friday. So they're going to whet your appetite with an arm wrestling contest. So they did all the silly stalling spots. The table gets knocked over. They say Lashley is playing. Mind games. So they get the the arm wrestling table up. And then Lashley slips his hand away. So they've got to put chalk on their hands. Strowman and Lashley lock up. And Strowman wins the arm wrestling contest. But then after, Lashley throws the chalk into Braun's eyes. And he's blinded and hits him with a power slam to lay him out. In another era, this would be a major angle. But I don't know if this uh, was even remembered two segments later. But they tried. They tried something.
1: Yeah, I felt it felt very old school. I mean, mm-hmm. I thought by the end of it, you had a bit more reason to care about this match at the end. Uh, babyface won the fair challenge, but then lost... Um, or you know, was embarrassed by the heel afterwards. I just, yeah, you know, I thought it was fine. It was just kind of like old school stuff. I kind of felt more drama in this like arm wrestling match than some of the wrestling we saw tonight.
0: Mm-hmm. I think it's all ultimately as well with a lot of these angles. It's also playing up the consequences of them. Like as I said, if this was done in in Memphis in 1986. And Jerry Lawler was blinded for, for four weeks before he came back to the Mid South Coliseum. I bet you it would draw enormously. Right. This will be. This was forgotten by the end of the show, and Strowman will be completely fine on Friday. And I think that that's. It's not a big deal. This in and of itself, but angles like that, when you don't really have consequences to them, you don't have audiences that are necessarily going to have a big reaction to these these heinous acts that are just forgotten about the next week.
1: They also don't have the pressure to fill the arena. Like, that's true. They're getting paid for this show regardless. Let's, you know, and let's, so let's just put the least amount of effort as possible to justify this match.
0: They showed the clip of R Truth and Jinder Mahal that they put up on Sunday on the golf course where they traded the title, the 24 7 title with roll ups and Truth escaping with Carmella on the golf cart. And, you know, this was the first instance of uh, them doing a, a viral clip. For the 24-7 title. And this thing got a ton of viewers on YouTube worldwide. Yes, If you it put did. a lot of stock into it. It had over, well,
1: over 4.5 million views. I think it's also the gender effect as well. Yes. With the Indian audience. Um, but, you know, also, the, this being the first one, I think a lot of people will be curious to see what they do, how they handle the 24-7 title on YouTube, on social media. I mean, watching the segment, I was a little disappointed. You know, I, I don't think you really got... What was creative about it? They're on a golf course, and then it's something unexpected, I suppose. Great. was um, the visual of seeing gender in its trunks on a golf course. hmm I think it would be funny maybe if they were able to like get on like a like a bigger platform, like maybe <laughs> like maybe like um, behind the window of uh, Good Morning America or something like that? Well, things no. to build to. Yeah, anyway, whatever. Yeah, so it's it's sort of a start. Great.
0: Backstage, Carmella was searching for our truth and then Drake Maverick and EC3 are secretly following Carmella. Um, EC3 had the demeanor that you would expect EC3 to have off-camera, mm. as he does on. Okay, yeah. He looked ecstatic. Maybe that's what the... EC is short for. So they're just going to stalk Carmella until she leads them to R-Truth. Peyton Royce versus Nikki Cross, uh, Alexa Bliss, and Billy Kay in the respective corners. Royce worked on Cross's arm for a while. Um, Kay instructed her to break the arm. Is Carmella SmackDown? Yes. So that would count as um, a SmackDown talent. R-Truth is technically on SmackDown, too. Where does he fall? I'm not sure.
1: I'm not sure if either of them count, to be honest, because you had Orton come out later, too. So, who cares? <laughs> they don't. Yeah. Like, why am I putting in this much effort?
0: It's more just a fun observational game. Yeah, I know. Um, I don't know. In this match, it felt at times like Peyton Royce was, like, in slow motion.
1: I think that's just Peyton Royce. I mean... Nobody expects her to, like, wrestle, like, Rey Mysterio or anything like that. You know? It's just kind of, like, she's at the level where she's at. I think she's a great personality, but just in ring, it's... You just have to kind of, like, reel your expectations back to, like, 2005 in the Divas division. It's just kind of, like, what she feels like right now. Bliss was brought two
0: cups of coffee, and she took one cup, and she flung some of the coffee onto Peyton Royce, which seemed aggressive... So Royce kicked the coffee away, and then Kay pushes her, and Bliss slips on the coffee on the floor. Cross then hits a swinging neckbreaker to, to Royce and pins her. 5.55. Alexa is sitting on the floor embarrassed, and Cross brings her into the ring to celebrate. Yeah. Yeah. So, so the moral of the story is that Alexa had two cups of coffee, and she didn't get one for her friend. Huh? Is that the moral? They, they brought two cups down. Presumably for Alexa and Nikki. She had asked earlier, do you want a coffee? Oh. And she said yes. Right. Okay. But when the woman brought it down, she only cared about herself and not Nikki.
1: Give her a celebratory coffee after her match. Oh, so is that how you're looking into it? Yes. Okay. Um, I just I guess this was what, Alexa getting really pissed off that she lost her coffee? and thus she had she had to get revenge like she got really angry that she lost her coffee is that it you know what she should have been so upset
0: that she spilled her coffee and then the assistant should have been there and she just realized that
1: there's another cup there and stolen nikki's coffee right but she still like mess up she still messed up her pants you know that's true they said that she would need to get uh she had white pants on oh man Fuck. Okay, let's move on. Come on. I just don't have the patience today. I'm sorry everybody. No way. It's okay. Ugh. You could use a coffee right now. No. No.
0: If I had Trust two, me. I
1: would give you one. A coffee would make this worse. Ugh. It would make my brain work overtime to try to like dissect this. I'm I'm just going to talk about the show. I'm going to upload it. Hopefully, have a nice peace, peaceful sleep with it out of my system cuz I don't want to give any more thought to this cup of coffee bullshit or jenna hall on a golf course i don't care
0: everyone i want everyone to send away a tweet just say something nice oh it's a only positive, gonna get worse a
1: positive comment it's only away. gonna get worse by friday this is like the, the worst week to be to be following the, the wwe
0: we're gonna get through it don't worry so tuesday night smackdown An exclusive interview with Lars Sullivan. Mm -hmm. What will this guy say? That is the hook for SmackDown. Well, we know what he likes to type. Let's hope he he has a... uh, It's a scripted promo that he's got for Tuesday night. I I don't want this guy to talk. I, I don't think he should be talking.
1: They're really pushing him like in NXT as like the really smart monster. They yeah, really I, haven't I, done I that. never
0: liked that that aspect of um having him come off sophisticated. Like I one thing you can say about main roster WWE, as much as you can lay criticism for making stars, when they have a monster and they want to go all the way, that's that's still Vince's like strong suit. Yeah, and I think so far so good with with Lars. Like they haven't they haven't done anything that's really harmed him yet. Um,
1: but they but really Taki haven't done be... anything either, though.
0: Pardon? But they really haven't done anything. Period. That is a huge positive in 2019. <laughs> that is a huge positive. Yeah, sure. They haven't screwed up anything yet. Seth Rollins is back out. I swear that Brock Lesnar's music played three times in about three minutes in this segment. Lesnar's music hits the first time. Then it stops. More mind games from Lesnar. Rollins says everyone's sick of these games. Lesnar used to be one of the most feared men on earth, but now he's a shell of that and dares him to come out and keep his promise. Instead, Baron Corbin is out. He is now the dream crusher, and he's going to take Seth's title away. And Rollins, Mr. NRA, tells him he can pry it from his cold, dead hands. And Baron says, I'm okay with that. Which I don't know if promising death is what we should be doing this week. He says he retired Kurt Angle. He will retire Seth Rollins. They start fighting. Corbin gets the advantage until Rollins lands an insiguri and a suicide dive. Then Lesnar's music plays again. And it distracts Rollins, the musical transformation of rollins psyche and corbin gets uh the end of days in from behind as the announcers explain the paranoia is destroying him from within Mm -hmm. so lesnar finally comes out with a chair rollins has been laid out with the end of days and he kicks seth right in the balls he attacks him with the chair he mentioned
1: cole mentions the ball kick was uh Due to how Rollins won at Mania. That's right.
0: Um, Kick them low. And then German suplex. Chair shots. F5 on the floor. More German suplexes. Heyman is pleading with Lesnar to cash in. Lesnar just keeps shaking his head. And then he tells Heyman, Friday. (laughs) And he dumps the title on top of Seth Rollins. Takes the briefcase. Puts it up to his ear. Everyone's booing. He's laughing, and Rollins is left for dead. If this was on its own, I actually thought it was a good angle of just a good beatdown angle. But as you, as you forget the fact that we promoted this thing all night long to do this, but on top of that, what? Why in the hell would this guy opt to forego this? This title shot in this minute versus, you know what? How about I get into an airplane and fly all the way to Saudi Arabia once this guy is healed to do this shit again? Like what, what logic in the world arrives at that
1: solution? Oh, that's a very good question. Can we even begin to bullshit an answer for him? Maybe he just wants to add to his frequent flyer miles. Um, Like legit
0: get on the microphone and say, everyone knows what we're getting paid on Friday. (laughs) So why am I cashing in here on Raw for my regular downside versus Saudi Arabia, where I get so much of a bigger payoff? Cool. I can I can I can take that that explanation. Yeah, um... but this made no sense watching this. And again, I liked the actual angle of beating down Seth. I thought Seth sold it tremendously well. I don't Brock know how much is great selling, as the killer. Much,
1: I don't know how much selling there there would have been for this. He really well, laid it in. Like, he took a hell of a beating with that chair. Well,
0: I mean, it sets up. Uh, I, I think it sets up the Baron match uh, like where no one's looking forward to this match. But it's, it's at least if you're telling this story that no one buys Baron winning this. Uh, and you have the tease of, of the cash in. They, they, I understood what they were trying to do here, but I just think that overall, at the end of this, it was
1: not a feeling I of, don't, I, I, don't I can't wait for Friday,
0: it's, I, I can't believe I spent two hours on this.
1: I actually don't understand what they're trying to do here. Cause... Well, They're
0: trying They're trying to put Rollins in a state where you believe that Baron could win, and on top of that, giving you the hook of Lesnar cashing in for sure so, on Friday. First
1: of all, you know that Baron Corbin's not going to win because it's Baron Corbin. Secondly... If you're going to tease a cash-in, it's not going to be Brock Lesnar cashing in on Baron Corbin. Um, I, At this point, I'm not even so sure you're going to get the cash-in at Saudi Arabia, because if they're in... Well, then Brock's a real idiot. If the intent is to build Brock Lesnar on the Saudi Arabia card in the title scenario, why not just do the match? Why not just advertise the match for Saudi Arabia? Brock Lesnar versus Seth Rollins for the WWE Championship. Wouldn't that be the most effective way of driving interest to this Friday show? Why do they we thought have to instead, do this? instead, well, maybe maybe if we tease that the match will take place.
0: What? I mean, ultimately, who cares? They should care. No, honest, honestly. Like, do, do they feel that promoting the match versus not promoting the match, that anyone is actually signing up for the network for this event?
1: I think if you had people... Say, say Brock Lesnar versus Seth Rollins for the WWE Championship on Friday It, yeah, of course it adds it adds in the same way as Goldberg versus Undertaker I mean I, I think all you're trying to do is like
0: I. if this is any I don't think it's going to be the level of people canceling the network after Crown Jewel or before Crown Jewel but I don't think that this is an event that is drawing new subscribers like I think it's an event that is a real big turnoff for a lot of people That you obviously have to present a certain show because of the money involved and and bring all these names in. But I think to have the idea that we're going to take elements like money in the bank and expect to drive people to buy this show.
1: So you think he's going to cash in on Friday? Uh, I think at this point you almost have to, but I thought tonight they had to. Well, Why? To what benefit? Why do they have to do it Friday? Why not save it for Raw? Yeah, they could. They, they could They could just tease it again Why not on, save on it, John, for next year and tease it every single Monday? Oh, Brock Lesnar's going to show up at the at end of the rate. show. Every single Monday, they might tease this. Yeah. You know, eventually, it just... I think you're already reaching the point now where nobody gives a fuck. Nobody cares. Nobody wants to see Brock Lesnar with the championship again. Nobody wants to see even the, the tease of the cash-in. It's just... um, They've killed this gimmick.
0: Well, Rollins was taken out on a stretcher and put into the ambulance, and they had Becky getting into the ambulance and leaving with Seth. Yep. Left all her luggage and everything back in the arena. She did wrestle. Yeah, she didn't She didn't leave with her bags or anything? She's going to have to come back to the arena? What bags would she have? Like all her stuff. What stuff? She didn't wrestle.
1: Still, still. She wasn't traveling. Probably has a car. Probably in the rental.
0: Well, I she didn't leave with me. her
1: car. Left the car back. You're right. She's probably uh, in an Uber right now, going back to the parking lot to get her car, so that she can get her luggage to go back to the hotel. I'm just saying. These are the things you gotta. These are the things that are. Gonna, mm. I'm gonna focus on. More it's just more. as interesting as the show, so mm. I don't blame you. Did you like the use of Becky here? Fine. Whatever. Like, what is it? You know, what's it meaning? They're dating, everybody. This is (laughs) on-screen acknowledgement. Ooh. Someone isolate that clip. The Firefly Funhouse.
0: It was a special edition of the Firefly Funhouse. Bray had a Wyatt gym shirt on and yelled, Exercise! And he's in this ridiculous outfit with a fanny pack on and we're introduced to Huskus the pig boy eating chocolate and appearing to overdose on it. He speaks to Huskus and says, one day, Huskus, you could be great and become a genius and have the whole world in your hands. I thought this was like a clever callback for the ones that would that would get this.
1: Um, Yes. Then we. It's him talking to himself. Yes, it's him talking so to 2011 the, him. So then, what were the other ones? What was other, Mercy? What was Abby? What, who are all those characters supposed to represent? Uh, I don't think they had the the deeper history as as Huskis. So this was the only one that was supposed to represent anything. The others were just random conversations. Well, Abby is obviously the callback to to Abigail, right? But who, Mercy, does, who, does, who does Mercy of course? Abigail the, uh, represent? I guess his, his dead sister. Okay. All right. And then and we, we have Mercy. Who is is Waylon Mercy? Is him talking yes. to Waylon Mercy? Yes. How am I supposed to care about what anything? What what any any conversation he has with Waylon Mercy? You could have called him Spivey, maybe, make it more uh, direct, a direct line to the creator. I know he 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 knows what they're all supposed to represent and why we should care. This was the most obvious one, and this was, I think, the only one that, you know, at least for you and I, seemed to grab you and I. Um, So what are we missing with the others?
0: I didn't think that they necessarily had much more than they were just you know, characters in this world that didn't have to necessarily represent much. It was more so, like, these are character pieces for Bray. Not not as much, I think, having to have meaning with the, the side characters. Sure. Maybe they're just conversations. So then in walks Vince McMahon, the devil puppet. And he yells that he's about to fire them. And... Bray says Huskus will get his act together as we cut to a dance video as Bray starts doing the muscle man dance with devil Vince and the line wiggle your wiggle your behind and then he gets creepy and says erase your mind and he ends it by stating all you have to do is let me in as he's posing.
1: Oh, I thought this was awesome. It's definitely the best thing on the show. It's been my favorite Firefly Funhouse so far. I thought the other ones were all kind of interesting visually, but they never really kind of got as wild in that like Adult Swim type of vibe as this one. Um, it made me. This talk was fun. like really clever. I thought this was this one
0: more what so than it? like you could see like a lot of work went
1: into this. This was not something you come up with 24 hours before. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they probably tell you that all of them probably took a long time, but... I, I just like one... these because they're so
0: different. Like, if it wasn't for Bray Wyatt, and you were I think watch, you also like, hated
1: them because they were so different.
0: Well, I, I am craving different right now. Like, if you didn't know Bray Wyatt, I don't think you could watch this and even think it's a WWE skit it feels so different than the type of production that they put together. Like there is thought that has gone into this. There is clearly like tons of elements that have comprised these videos. And I don't know if ultimately the character is going to work or not, but man have these segments. uh, I think you have to have an appreciation for Bray Wyatt and the people that are working on these because nothing else. They have been an enormous uh, help to revive this the struggling character and i think that these have been as good as you could expect because they've got you to that reaction where you are at least excited to see what is going to be the next step and and how Bray Wyatt turns this into an in-ring persona sure
1: yeah for me they've been really hit and miss uh some weeks just leaving me pretty perplexed about what they're supposed to mean but i thought this one from the, I feel like has been kind of pretty universally praised, just simply because of like the f- comedy of the puppets, the character, uh, the 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 Muscle Man dance, um, the bizarreness of it. It feels like things that you wouldn't typically see uh, from the mind of Vince McMahon, which uh, I think you know is is what the audience craves at this point. You want things that you know feel like they're risk taking in the context of. What raw has seemed to produce which is really safe and oftentimes just um juvenile i would say um type of uh you know storytelling and and characters this feels a lot more kind of random again very much in like a tim and eric uh eric andre type of way that is often not often seen in in, in the realm of professional wrestling and i thought they really hit it all pretty well it was very amusing
0: Paul Levesque comes
1: out. There's an NXT chant and
0: Randy Orton immediately interrupts him. And it's time for a face to face. Paul says, it's been a while since I've stared you in the eye. And he says, these segments are designed to drum up interest. We say some terrible stuff to each other, maybe get physical, but after 20 years, which he, uh, he really kind of, uh, borrowed from Matt Jackson here in rounding up. We'll say 20 years. He says, there's nothing that we haven't said to each other before. But Randy, don't let the suit fool you. I'm going to Jetta to kick your ass. Orton's response was that, I'm not Batista. I'm the legend killer. And I will gladly put another notch on my belt. And then Hunter says that, you know, I always saw you as the diamond in this business. And in fact, you have become one of the best ever. And a lot have tried to put me down, but they're all gone and I'm still here. And Orton, you are not the one. And as Paul goes to leave, Orton says, Before our match on Friday, can you retrieve your balls from Stephanie's purse? And they both just start laughing and laughing. Hunter returns to the ring. He's looking all excited. He says... I'll do that. You see, they're just so big. They're such a burden carrying my balls around. Maybe I can fit my balls into my carry-on luggage and put my balls on the airplane. Randy, you wouldn't know what that kind of burden is like because you never have had any balls. Like my balls. Because my balls are bigger than your balls. You've got a small dick, Randy. A real small dick. And on Friday, we're going to go out to the ring and we're going to pull out our dicks and we're going (laughs) to measure them. And Michael Cole said, Two masters at work. (laughs) (laughs) It's the super showdown. If ever, this should have been crown jewel Uh, this should have been the crown jewels oh beautiful these two seemed like at the end of this we don't give a fuck they look to be just having a fucking blast out here with each other i don't i don't know how this built this match at all it really didn't
1: but they got to talk about their balls yeah that's great um you know yeah i've always wondered what what it would be like to um to, see someone's uh, balls in their carry-on mm, luggage? No. I meant more like, you know... I've always wondered what it would be like to tra- time travel back to like the year maybe 2000 in high school. And to think about what those conversations might have sounded like to me right now. And, um... it's kind of felt like that. <laughs> um felt like except though it was like 40 year old men doing it so I mean I guess Randy wasn't prepared
0: like Dean if uh, if Hunter uh, decided to go after him in the promo and how how Randy didn't have bullets in the chamber
1: yeah 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 man Um, balls it's Friday Corbin was with Charlie. It's just it's just not for me. It's no. It's just not for me. I know probably a lot of people get off on this type of stuff. Oh, it's really funny. Like, Maybe Hunter will get a t-shirt really out funny. of this. What? Maybe he'll get a t-shirt out of this. Sir. Ooh. Yeah. Whatever.
0: Ball game. The game balls. Corbin was with Charlie. He's off to celebrate. Lesnar did him a favor, said Rollins has broken six or seven ribs, and he will be the new and next Universal Champion. Ricochet and Cesaro. They had a decent match here. I didn't think as good as some of their previous ones, but it was still a good match. Do you realize we had four matches on this entire show? Four matches.
1: Oh, that's good. I hope it's over in two hours.
0: Well, no, it's four matches spread out over three hours. That's kind of incredible when you think about it.
1: Uh, most of it will be the battle
0: roll, so... No, 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 I said on Raw tonight we had four matches. Oh, fuck. How many matches no, are tonight on? what we watched was four matches, huh. and we didn't even have, like, one of those crazy long 20-minute matches either. It's like there was a lot of non-wrestling on this show by once you look at the end of this.
1: Yeah, yeah. You needed time for the ball talk, yeah.
0: All right, let's just cut to the chase here. Cesaro hit a deadlift superplex. Ricochet came off his shoulders, got hit with the Cesaro swing, running European uppercut by Cesaro. Ricochet fought back, springboard, cross crossbody, rollover, and then he went for this tilt-a-whirl and looked to be going for another rotation, but couldn't fully get around, so he just went to the roll-up, and it was obviously the finish as he pinned Cesaro, and then got beaten down in the post-match, and Cesaro went under the ring. He saw a ladder... And then he pulled out a table, and there is R-Truth, who has supposedly been laying on this table under the ring all night long. And the locker room empties. Well, the 24-7 locker room empties. Cedric Alexander hits a big Topekan Hero to everyone on the floor. Drake Maverick appears. Carmella superkicks Maverick. And R-Truth and Carmella escape through the crowd and leave with the title.
1: Yeah, good stuff. You know, he's been hiding there all night. And uh, the the fun stuff with the twenty four seven title continues. It's pretty fun here. Man, um, this raw broke you, dude. No, dude, it was great. There I, is there is no coming back. I thought they were going to tease a TLC or something, but now I don't know. I think they just they were dragging random shit from beneath the ring. And You probably just see another Ricochet Cesaro match next week. Yeah, it was good stuff.
0: Final segment: The Undertaker. He walks into the ring with three minutes left in the show. He asks some hypothetical questions. Does the, does the sky grow dark? Does the ground begin to rip open at your feet? Do you choke at the stench of the souls that are already gone? Do you provide a replacement when you're promoted and advertised for StarCast? Goldberg This Friday, you will get the answers to all those questions. And this Friday, he doesn't want Goldberg, the family man, smiling. As his wife and son beam with joy, he wants the unstoppable, mythical icon, Goldberg. And he promises that if Goldberg brings anything less, then this will be his last match. For Goldberg, who has not had a match in two and a half years... And says, I will unleash an inhumane level of brutality that Goldberg has never felt. And will claim his soul
1: for all eternity. Goldberg, you're next. Mm-hmm. All right. Yeah. And the show goes to black. And um, yeah, you know, it was Undertaker. It was Undertaker doing his entrance and then cutting an Undertaker promo on Goldberg. Exactly, I think, how you would imagine it. Exactly how I think a, a video game would have spit it out. Um, there you go.
0: Could have gone without the inhumane level of brutality line, but I'm sure there's plenty of lines that feel off-putting. Yeah, when you're
1: talking wrestling... And The gonna, Undertaker. Yep. it was going to have a lot of crossover with... Um, it was much execution. more cringy for the... I remember the promos
0: going into Crown Jewel. They were, they were very... Uh, Anyway, that was the show. Um, Man, I don't need to ask you what you thought of this show. Um,
1: I don't know if it's so much this particular episode or maybe more so just the realization that what we're watching, what we've been watching for so long is just the incoherent rambling of some guy um, that does not deserve a quarter of the thought that I've been putting into it for these types of reviews. (laughs) Why am I wasting my time?
0: Balls, that's that's some good shit.
1: Like, the wrestling is just there. The promos were just there. Um, the three hours are just there. They are definitely there. Anyway, what did the board think of it? What did you
0: think of it? How low did you go on this show? I don't even want to rate it.
1: Okay. I don't I don't want to put in the,
0: the mental energy. I'm gonna I, I'm gonna give the show a five. I'm being higher than most. Three point seven five was tonight's total. Paul from New Jersey. The iconics lose yet again. Oh well, perhaps maybe this is at least building to them taking on Alexa and Nikki at stomping grounds. I like the dynamic between cross and bliss. Perhaps I'm giving WWE the benefit of the doubt. Pinning your champions week in and week out while not building to anything would seem to be pretty stupid, wouldn't it? I got to about 1030 and I had to tap out. Too much building to a show on Friday. I'm not going to watch. Even if it wasn't the Saudi Arabia blood money show, why would I ever need to see Hunter and Orton square off again? Why would I need to see Goldberg and Undertaker at this point? I know the answer is money from the Saudi Arabian government, so I digress. Question. Renee Young referred to Miss Evans and Charlotte having identical physiques and stamina. Do you think we will hear a tale of natching in Georgia, which brought us the birth of Lacey Evans? Hard to say. Maybe. I mean, they've been playing up Becky uh, calling them identical twins.
1: Hmm. They're sisters. Interesting. Because um, I guess all tall blondes must be related. But, um... Sure. Would you be maybe? interested?
0: Man. Separated.
1: Okay. All these years later. They, go- they find themselves under WWE contract together. We go to Alexander from Portland who says... Raw has felt incredibly repetitive lately. Another Cesaro-Ricochet match. Becky feuding with Charlotte and Lacey Evans. Same as before Money in the Bank. We had Joe and Mysterio feud on SmackDown before Mania, now they're doing it on Raw. Another week with Reigns on Raw, not to mention Lesnar. He was supposed to state who he was cashing in on on weeks ago, but he didn't that night. Last week, he was supposed to announce when he was cashing in. He didn't. Tonight, he was actually supposed to cash in, and he didn't. To me, this doesn't bring heat on Lesnar, but instead on the company for destroying our expectations. How am I supposed to think Lesnar will cash in Friday when his recent planned actions didn't happen? My question, Ring of Honor was important last night, and while I had tickets, I chose not to go. After the show ended, the biggest note from the show was the fan interaction, not any of the matches or results. My question, where are your interest levels for Ring of Honor? How excited are you to watch the product compared to NXT or Impact?
0: Uh, Well, of those ones listed, ROH would be number three behind NXT and Impact. Um, I I follow Ring of Honor, um, but not religiously. I think that they are certainly going through a a very difficult patch at the moment. The Madison Square Garden show seemed to be this um, this big show to build towards. And I think everyone knew that after the garden, that was when reality was going to set in. And that's what's happened. I think that they very much don't have a direction at the moment. I don't think people know necessarily why... They're going to dedicate that kind of time to to follow ROH week in, week out, and, and now you have a lot of really attractive alternatives that we always talk about, the limited supply of time and the gigantic supply of wrestling content. Those things are not going to mesh. There's going to be casualties, and I think Ring of Honor certainly has become one to a lot of people in terms of what their weekly diet of pro wrestling is going to be.
1: Yeah, I mean, I feel like they're a company that's kind of been resting on the fumes of like their golden years for far too long, and after that, you know, maybe the New Japan Association that they perhaps relied a little too harshly on, and then of course it's the elite. So it's like all these things coupled together. You take all of them out. You take away the New Japan, uh, uh, uh you know, association. You take away the elite. You take away you, you know, your former stars. Uh, that have now kind of gone on to other other places, and you're left with a roster that really simply does not look that strong. And seeing what they were doing at, at the G1 show and hearing about stories like this with Bully Ray at the helm, like you know whether or not you you agree with them on the story, the fact that we're hearing a Ring of Honor story involving principal characters such as Velvet Sky and Bully Ray, I think is hardly the type of acts. A Ring of Honor fan really wants associated with Ring of Honor. So they, of the three, I agree with you. I put Impact ahead of them in terms of, you know, what seems to be exciting. What seems to be, you know, uh, a company that's on the pulse of what, what the audience seems to want right now. So I've I wonder what the solutions are.
0: Yeah, I mean, there, there's probably dozens of reasons you can go through. I think on, on such a big show like Madison Square Garden was that, you know, what was one of the top three talking points coming out of it? It was Enzo and Cass, and that was not a positive talking point coming out of that show. And if you were someone that was sampling the product and taking away from that show, well, this is the direction they're going. And granted, they haven't used them since. um, I think that that was, I I, I think that that was not a, a great decision in hindsight, and you could argue in
1: foresight. It's interesting how on the biggest show that they've ever put on, um, it feels like there's been so much negativity coming out of the company uh, following it, like more than I've ever he- heard for Ring of Honor.
0: Let's go to Andrew from Cape Breton. I thought the show wasn't too bad tonight. The opening match was pretty hot and better than the usual foray eh, of six man tags. I think Nikki Cross will become one of the biggest baby faces WWE has, and while it was a repeat match, I thought Cesaro and Ricochet continued to impress. The highlight of the night was the Firefly Funhouse segment. Gifts of the Devil Vince puppet will likely pop up every time some of Vince's good shit gets onto the show. I will be missing the Super Showdown show, but look forward to the review of it. As someone on my Twitter said to me, the only WrestleMania this show will be the equivalent to
1: is WrestleMania 9. Six out of ten show. I think that's an insult to WrestleMania 9, but we shall see. Jay from Colorado, the highlight of the night for me was most definitely the production guy who got caught in the live shot of the garage when they were waiting for Brock Lesnar's arrival. He was so (laughs) panicked and it made for a refreshing and rare unscripted moment. The show needs more of that. (laughs) As a side note, I canceled my network subscription and noted in the cancellation that it was in part because of the Saudi Arabia nonsense. This morning, I got an email from the WWE that said, we want you back. I opened it, and it was an advertisement for the Saudi show. Oh, my god! I'm pretty sure the WWE is just trolling everyone now. What a story. Um, you know, that that is a funny
0: thing that, you know, it's... When we talk about kind of the the micromanaging and the heavy, heavy scripting of it, and I think, if nothing else, the the series of Dean Ambrose interviews have more so just confirmed the beliefs everyone has had, and bringing up something just as that where they would have to take so long to do some of these backstage segments. And if someone accidentally walked up from behind, they'd have to reshoot something. And that's something you would never worry about in a, in a traditional sports setting. Like it just, you can produce to such a level that it's just, you're detached from anything. And the end result is you get these overly produced segments that that feel as such that something that probably no one would care about someone walking through the back and the amount of man hours that must go into so many of these promos that it's just got to be frustrating at times for talent that i'm doing a one minute backstage interview and it's taking all this time to do i mean there's there's a fine line between just quality control and absolutely going over the line to have to Micromanage every every frame to death.
1: Yeah, um, sure. It's um, it's, it's a small pro- thing. It's one of the problems. It's... I'm really curious to see how AEW will handle because I think you know, of course, coming from a, a, our, our TV background, you know how long this stuff takes just to you know get right, even if it's for a one minute thing. Um, at the same time, when you're talking about something that's supposed to rep- re- replicate uh live sports me uh i'm very curious to see how AEW answers that and i don't know how much being the elite is sort of the benchmark for something like that because um it's a very different show when you have a show that's meant to be broadcast on national cable television on tnt i feel like there would probably be a lot more um you know it's not just guys shooting stuff on their cell phones is what I'm trying to say, but will they try to replicate that on a bigger scale with nicer cameras, with proper lighting, and all this stuff? I wonder. There's an
0: uh, there's an upgrade to be sure, but I also look at like I watch Being the Elite today, and there you have the Jacksons on the outside of Cracker Barrel, and it is so goddamn windy. I think that's their porch, actually. They okay. have that barrel. Okay, they just have the barrel. Yeah, but like it's so windy, you're screaming for a lav mic. But it's, like, how many people are really thinking that that are watching this? Like, there's a certain charm that comes with it. And I'm not saying you can put that on mm, television. Because it's Great. on YouTube. You, exactly. And it's, like, there, there's, they've been able to have this kind of, um, like, it's a series that has worked. You cannot deny that it has worked. And is there almost a, a refreshing nature to this, this series that it is, it does not look like a, like a, a Produced See, WWE piece, even works. though one is broadcast quality and one would probably not pass the test to be put onto TNT.
1: Yeah, yeah. I definitely think there are elements you can learn from, you know, um, I guess kind of off the cuff like cell phone video. Um, but uh where's the line? You know, let's say like WWE's been experimenting with it with their selfie videos. Imagine if like that and, and what promo- would make those better? Those would look better
0: if if they were Actual cell phone videos and and looked
1: worse than they do. No, they wouldn't be better. You I You disagree. couldn't save it. Oh my God, John. You think if Cesaro cut that promo on a real cell phone, you think it would look, into how, you think it would be a better if, promo? If you
0: want to present to me a cell
1: phone video, then I want to see a cell phone video. I don't doubt that. I think, I, I know often they use real cameras to shoot these cell phone videos, but I think some of these are just cell phone videos. I don't think they're anything more than that. I think the problem is just the promo itself, you know? And imagine on top of that, John, if Cesaro cut that promo and you heard rustling wind in the background, we'd be shitting all over it in our review. I think that you would be
0: surprised at the people that if you are putting them in a situation where they were walking with their phone on and you're trying to – or someone was following someone, uh, it's not supposed to look slick. It's not supposed to be on on a tripod and you you have this – what, what it comes shot. down to John
1: though is the content. If what you're, what's coming out of your mouth is just like fucking shit, I don't care how well it sounds. I don't care how good. I don't care how bad it sounds. I'm not gonna care. Well, that's that's we're getting to the exact same point. Is that everything has to be down to
0: the letter of like everything, right down to. The the shot selection, how it has to look, how it has to be lit, and what words are coming out in what order from your mouth. And Mm -hmm. I think people realize that. Like, this is – I'm completely tuned out of this. Yeah. That is the end of the show, everybody. We have reached the end. It's been a wonderful discussion over this last uh, 90 minutes or so. And we'll do it all again Tuesday night after SmackDown where we have Bill Goldberg on the show. Lars Sullivan's exclusive interview. Amazing Smackdown landed. The exclusive interview.
1: Yeah. Um, Postwrestling.com slash live everybody. If you were thrilled with this. If you uh, want more movie. of this. <laughs> oh my god. Well I'll be coming off a takeover for that one so I think I'll be in far better spirits but man. Um, Postwrestling.com slash live. Come see us if you're going to be in Toronto during SummerSlam weekend. We'd love to meet all of you. One o'clock. August 11th, John Candy Box Theater. The John Candy, everybody. Oh, yes. What an honor.
0: Hey, you can you can get your photo taken on this stage, and they gave us a list of the people that have actually stood on this stage. Like, it's an authentic stage that they have used uh, in Second City for years and years and years. So it's uh, cool. it has a
1: whole story behind it. Yeah, you can travel by plane, train, or automobile. Oh, Come see I us at the it. John Candy Box Theater. All right. Well, in the spirit of a – maybe we'll
0: get a spinoff of Uncle Brock. Oh. Who will be getting into a plane or some kind of automobile as he travels this week. All right. That's it. We're done. Goodbye.